This episode of Two Girls, One Pup was brought to you by listeners like you who support independent artists and by people who love puppies. Pups and dogs. Dogs. Male camp. Dogs. Puppies. Ooh. On this episode of Two Girls, One Pup, I talked to comedian Brian Cook, the producer and host of the competitive erotic fan fiction show. I literally wrote here, do you think dogs have fantasies and sex dreams? <laughs> <laughs> Literally, there's a star by it. Well, we can book Comet on competitive erotic fanfiction and see what happens. We learn how dogs can be racist. I had a 130-pound Rottweiler, <laughs> and it had never seen black people before because I <laughs> lived in Seattle. Right. And best of all, I get to meet his new puppy, the gorgeous 58-pound pit bull Bernadette. Sorry, it's not really supposed to mention a lady's weight. Sniff that butt. Mutts and bitches, I'm your host, Monique Madrid. This is Comet. Now, before we talk to Brian Cook, we like to grab our leashes. We like to make sure to get a poop bag because we're not jerk holes. And let's head out for a walk where we can meet some of the dogs in our neighborhood. Where'd you get the name Loki? It's, uh, it's a Nordic uh, god of mischief. And you just felt like this dog was very... Yeah. Kind of, kind of looks like it, I thought. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah. His tongue is the longest tongue I've ever seen. Yeah. I feel like at night it would roll up like a carpet <laughs> to fit into his mouth. <laughs> it drags on the ground when yeah. he lays down when he's really super hot. It does? <laughs> and what kind of dog do you say he was again? German, German shepherd. shepherd. Oh, he's just like a really dark black German Shepherd. Yeah. yeah. Where did you, what's, what's his story? Where did you get him? We got him from the Humane Society in Pasadena. Oh. Yeah, we adopted him. He was three years old. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Was we, Did you foster him first, or you just took him home and knew he'd be a good fit? Uh, we just took him. Yeah? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, we liked him. Yeah? And <laughs> so. did he like you right away, too? Uh, not really. No? He's no. kind of aloof, He's and aloof, we're still yeah. working with him. We haven't had him for a year, not quite. Oh. We got him last February, so. What would you want him to do that he doesn't? Like, does... If he's still... Uh, maybe show a little more affection. Aww. <laughs> I mean, he loves us, we can tell, but... He's not, He's very not like the, yeah. the Labradors that are like, I love you, what do you want me to do? I yeah. love you, I love you. <laughs> He's actually a lot of work. He's stubborn. Yeah. He wants to do his thing. So. What, what do you, like, what's his thing he likes to do? Just like play with uh, the ball by himself? Or? No, he no. doesn't touch balls. He likes to bark at the gate. <laughs> oh, well <laughs> a little, that. A little too much. Okay. If you know, yeah. yeah. You can't do that, Loki. Yeah. yeah. And you look at him and you think, oh, he's like, you know, he's really like, he can run, he can... He's like the lowest stamina dog ever. <laughs> <laughs> he goes and chases like the ball the doggy park. three he's times, and he just like goes back to his bed and goes, I'm done. Yeah, you're supposed to be athletic. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Your tongue is good, though. That's a real benefit. <laughs> At least for the, the viewer watching it, it's yeah. pretty adorable. Yeah. That's great. So, well, nice to meet you, Loki. <laughs> I'm sorry you're not more cuddly, but <laughs> maybe maybe we're supposed to... Just appreciate him for who yeah. he is. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's that's the lesson he brings us. Yeah. <laughs> He's just lovable. Yeah, thanks, guys. My guest, Brian Cook, produces a bunch of shows around Los Angeles, including Big Money and, as I mentioned, the competitive erotic fan fiction show, where comedians compete writing and performing erotic fan fiction pieces, all based on the audience suggested. He's also written for stuff on Funny or Die, Ridiculousness, and for Fashion Police. In fact, he was part of that big Joan Rivers writer strike thing that happened in 2013. He's a super funny dude with a tough guy personality, but with a real mushy heart for puppies. Brian Cook. Hello. Hi. Thank you for coming to my house. Absolutely. Mostly thank you for bringing your dog. She's adorable. She's very adorable. She's happy to be here. I'll take her collar off so she doesn't jingle all through this. <laughs> um, well, I'm also fine with dog sounds in the background, as I tell everybody. Like <laughs> yeah. that. Well, that's that's her thing. tail. Yeah. That's just I think it's really funny. Tap dancing and destroying mm -hmm. your <laughs> drapes. And now she's coming she's up She's your lumbar chair. support. <laughs> she's trying. Oh, Bernie. Hi. Um, so her name is, where did you get the name Bernadette. Um, it was kind of a joke my girlfriend made because her dad's name was Ernie. Right. And so initially, initially the joke was that it was going to be Ernadette because she wanted to name her. Her dad hated pit bulls, so she wanted to name a, a pit bull after her dad. Uh, and they look so much alike. Uh, well, hadn't thought about it, but a little bit. <laughs> a little. And uh, and so we went with Bernadette. 
Um, well, she's really cute. I have an oh, aunt named Bernadette, so that's oh, yeah. what makes me think of which. Oops. Probably shouldn't say <laughs> Not that. your favorite aunt? Pro- no, she's great. I just probably oh. shouldn't say my aunt reminds me of your dog. It's not really the nicest. <laughs> she could do worse. That's very true. Uh, I have to be honest. I was a little, I wasn't nervous, but I was a tiny bit anxious mm-hmm. because, well, one, I don't know you, but that's fine. I don't know a lot of people. Sure. Um, and I like to get to know people. But like, you're like this, t- this tough, angry dude. <laughs> And I was pretty sure you weren't because um, I feel like you maybe even reached out about doing the show because you were like, oh, I have a dog and I love dogs. And so oh, I yeah, knew yeah. that I you were. I you guys up on Twitter. Yeah. You, show. I was like, you can't be too much of an asshole. <laughs> but like, what's what's the tell me about that? What's this angry dude Look, guy? That's not like a that's a, every we all do what we do on stage. Right. And that's what comes out when I'm on stage. But okay. I, I don't I don't think. I have the reputation of actually being, I mean, maybe angry, but I don't think I'm an asshole to people in real life. Angry is different than being an asshole. Well, you used both as descriptions. Did I call you an asshole? (laughs) Yeah. You know what? Can we do playback? Instant playback? Uh, No, I I get that all the time. It's, uh, you know, it's... it's... Does it just come out because when you start to talk about things, it's what you feel passionate about? So that's what you talk about or... Yeah, I mean, I guess so. I honestly haven't thought about it a whole lot, but oh, okay. it's, uh, I don't know, I'm from the East Coast. Yeah. We're we're loud. <laughs> uh, I've just kind of always been like that, and that's that's what ends up being my comedy, I guess. Um, well, and I'm not by no means judging it. I'm just kind of, it's hard to know. Sure. No, I know what you're saying. I also came from, I, I started out doing improv, then did sketch, and mm-hmm. then did stand-up. So by the time I started doing stand-up, I was really... I still get intimidated by stand-up comedians, and I have really? to remind myself, like, no, they're just most of them are socially awkward, so they're not right. jerks. They're just they're more. It's a different sure. art form that's a little more loner, whatever. Sure. Um, but I think I naturally just get a little like intimidated by it. Yeah, I get that. I think I'm more social probably actually than a lot of stand-ups. Yeah. Because I mean, everybody that I hang out with, there's there's plenty that are, um, but there's definitely a lot of comics that like you never see, that you see them right before the show. They go on and they leave because either they're anxious or i don't know some just have family family life yeah it's hard to do yeah Yeah, when you want to do you feel that way where you're like i just want to get home to my dog uh i mean i'm home with her usually all day anyway so it's not like yeah it's not like i haven't seen i mean it just depends on what i'm doing for for quote unquote work yeah right how long have you been in la uh be three years in october oh that's it yeah Wow. So how quickly did you start um, the competitive erotic fan fiction show? I started that before I moved here. Ah. I was doing it every month uh, at Meltdown when I lived in Seattle. So I started it in June of 2012. So June, July, August, September. I did it for four months. I didn't know there was a one in Seattle. No, I'm sorry. I started it when I still lived in Seattle. Oh, you would come here. I would come here and do it every month. Who, this sounds weird, but... How were you established enough to get a show at Meltdown? Competitive rock fan fiction. Really? Tell yeah, me about that. It was because <laughs> I did that show at uh, uh, Bridgetown that, okay. that year, 2012. And it was it was like a last minute edition. I was on the festival, but the show I had just started in March. I don't, I'd only done it once okay. in Seattle. The the rock one. Uh, What? The, the competitive rock fan fiction, not. Competitive rock Wait, fan fiction? Wait, what did fiction? you say first? Erotic. I thought you said you did another one called Rock Fan Oh, no, 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 no. I just mumble. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. Uh, and I, I did, clearly don't listen well. That would have been, uh, I mean, for Seattle, you know, that would have been very appropriate. Well, that's why I was like, you did just, another competitive <laughs> right. one? Wow, just that's stories your, about okay. I got Eddie you. Vedder banging so you... <laughs> Dave Perner. Dave Perner's not even from Seattle. Uh, anyway, they uh, they heard about it because I started it, you know, Seattle and Portland are like almost the same right. scene. It's like three hours apart. And so they'd heard about the show and... Um, asked me to do it on that festival and it was like the last night of the festival at the eagles lodge which is a cool venue but certainly not like high profile okay and it was pretty packed and then everybody was talking about it afterward and um i think it was baron vaughn that put me in touch with uh well it was emily gordon at the time was like the regular booker for the room right and uh yes we tried it once that june sort of been like two months after um Two months after Bridgetown, and it was a huge success. And uh, then they're like, "All right, yeah, come back and do it every month." Wow! And I was working for Pabst at the time in Seattle, and just didn't tell them that I was flying to LA regularly. And then I got a writing job down here. Was it the same month? I can't remember. 
Because you had just been doing a circuit in Portland, Seattle, just kind of yeah, making your name out there. Yeah, that's that pretty much thing. it. I had barely traveled. And uh, yeah, so then I got a writing job that I had to be, but I only had to be in town for once a week anyway. And so I just flew back and forth for oh several months. What finally made you go, okay, this is ridiculous. I should just move here. Well, I knew I was going to. It was just, I spent four months like saving money basically. Right. Because I had a job where I worked from home and did marketing. And uh, so they just didn't know I wasn't in town two or three days a week. Right. And it was fine. That's so cool. So I just did both jobs and eventually, uh, I didn't I didn't tell the writing job that I didn't live in L.A. Right. Which, why would they care? It's so weird. I don't think that they necessarily would. They might not have trusted that I'd show up every week I to gotcha. the one meeting. I, I guess. feel like when I was in Chicago and I was starting to look and apply for jobs or whatever, they would mm. all be like, well, just get here first. They had no interest until I was here. Yeah. That, that doesn't surprise me, though. Yeah. That seems like probably the right move, <laughs> honestly. Well, and a lot of them's like stuff you can do from home, but yeah, I guess mm-hmm. I get that. Have you always been a huge dog person? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Did you grow up with them? Yeah. I uh, had two different dogs as a kid, um, one from like before I was born that my folks had, this nice. big mutt named Moxie. He was like a shepherd mix or something, maybe, oh. a, maybe a, I feel like he had some collie in him probably, real shaggy. Cute. Yeah, Do they sh- Do they shag shag? No, not shag. Shed? Shed's Shed? the word. Yeah, he shedded. Definitely. They shed. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, then we had a Springer Spaniel we got when I was probably in junior high. Did you get roughly. to help name it? Um, yeah, I think so. His name was Muddler, which is a, a, it's a, a bass fly, a fishing fly. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> it's a dog podcast. That's happening. Hey, come here. Come here. Come here, Comet. This is what happens. They're on patrol. This is They're going to ha- keep the bears away. They're protecting away. us. Yeah. Thank you, you for protecting us, guys. Have you had any bear attacks since you've lived no. here? No. Yeah, exactly. So we haven't. Not not a one. And you're not far from Griffith. Not a week. Yeah. We could have been. We did have a skunk attack. Oh. Uh, have you had a dog get sprayed by a skunk? Uh, as a kid. Moxie. Yeah. Oh, my God. That is awful. I didn't have to deal with it, but I, honestly, I don't even know if I was alive yet. Uh, <laughs> you just heard- I've, I've heard the story. Yeah. Yeah, because we, you know, I lived in Maine. We lived in the woods, basically. Yeah, I don't know what Maine is like. Woods, except for lobsters. There's those. Yeah. Uh, tree lobsters out in the woods. Uh, it's it sucks. Maine's terrible. Is the it? coast is great. Okay. The rest of it's pretty much shit. I mean, unless you're way into like mountains, there's sort of some mountains. Gross. They're fine. Yeah. You know. Do you love LA? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like it here a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I liked it before I moved. I mean, I was coming down and you know frequently enough, and uh, because of the comedy, like I put on a ton of shows in. Seattle, like I'd bring people to town and produce shows up there. And between that and festivals, like I just, I knew I had more friends in LA than I did by the time I left. Yeah, I felt that way about Chicago. It wasn't scary in that part where I was like, everyone I know is here, anyways. Yeah. How long have you been here? Um, It'll be two years in October. Oh, okay. So I'm just now getting over that hump where every month I'm panicking of how I'm going to pay my bills. And now it's like, oh, okay, it's getting easier. Yeah. Um, and I'm just not even going to let myself freak out over like the big goal dreams. Like that's going to, I'm just going to do the work and right. And the more that's I do the healthiest way I'm trying. Yeah, yeah. And the more I do this kind of thing, like the first time, actually the first, um, person that came on the podcast was Baron Vaughn. Oh, okay. And I got done afterwards. And on I, this podcast, mm-hmm. Baron Vaughn, who's never owned a dog and is terrified of them. He's allergic to them. So we had a lot to talk about. <laughs> um, oh, he, I should tell you the story about him staying at my house the first time. Really? Mm. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about someone who's not here. Um, it's he, not like insulting. He just, he'd never been around dogs before. And you met my old dog. I had a 130 pound Rottweiler <laughs> and it had never seen black people before because I lived in Seattle. <laughs> right. And Baron walked in and didn't know how to, like, he's one of those dogs that if you just walk in and like tackle him, he's cool. But if you walk in and you're all weird, they and you read don't your know, energy. Yeah, yeah, completely. And uh, it, yeah, he wouldn't let Baron into the house. Basically, I mean, he did, but it was very. It, it was very like your dog is racist. He was terrified. Yeah, that's yeah. hilarious. And he was. He would. And then when I moved here, I had black neighbors upstairs, and he did the same thing. He barked at him every damn day. Did you fix that? Did you no. like act? Did you integrate him? I mean, we tried, but <laughs> just was always like Baron, like. He would come over and hang out, and eventually he would get to the point where where Morty would chill. He wouldn't. He would never do anything. He would just growl and right. bark. Um, but yeah, he. But also, Baron never got comfortable. And right. Just like, do I make eye contact? Do I not make eye contact? What do you do? Do you put your hand out? Do you not put your hand out? <laughs> no sudden moves. What do I do? I think he and talked he just about being boxed and ran away. Yeah, I think he talked about being scared of them on the show. But then when he's on the doing the podcast, he seemed to be over that part. Mm-hmm. But then he was dealing with the new thing of being allergic. Right. He's now allergic to everything. everything yes. Thanks, mold. Yes, we learned we learned a lot about that. That's a that. real nightmare story. It's insane. Yeah. Um 
Yeah, and I had no idea. And that day, we had two dogs over. Sometimes we have four dogs. Every once in a while, one time we've had five. <laughs> I, had, I have five regularly at my house. You do? Our, well, our whole uh, complex, I live just down by the Virgil, and uh, we have one of the few like dog-friendly, gated uh, oh, nice. uh, complex. So it's like a horseshoe-shaped, uh, like four units on each side and then four, but it's two stories in the back and one story on the sides. And uh, there's right now there's 14 dogs and 12 people oh my gosh. in the complex. Yeah. We, I think there's as many as like 60 apartments in here, but six of the buildings are friends of ours that we knew in, or six of the apartments are friends of ours that we knew in Chicago wow. or knew of and then got to know each other here. So we all watch each other's dogs. Yeah, yeah. Um, and oh, then there great. just happens to be these two dogs that we dog sit that yeah. I'm friends with. And so there's, but they're all like about Comet size. Oh, okay. They're all like these little weird toddler looking things staring <laughs> up at you and following you everywhere. Right. And I want to hear, because you still produce a lot of shows. Uh, yeah. At least three? Well, I produce two in LA, one's a monthly and one's a weekly. I co-produce one with Eliza Skinner and then I do fanfic every month, which is now at the Virgil. That's I right. did it meltdown for two years and then just decided to put it across the street from my apartment. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. I love meltdown, but it was just, it's, it was time to tr- try something different. There. And, yeah. Yeah. What's your, um, from, a pr- from one producer to another, mm-hmm. what are some tips you have for producing a um, good show. Jesus, I don't know. W- uh, wait till it's successful. I, I honestly like. I don't have time to do much in the way of promotion in Los Angeles. Mm. And luckily, you know, Meltdown gave it a good, uh, a good like running start f- uh, because they have their mailing list and people pay attention and right. and uh, want to go to shows there. And you know, all the comedy nerds pay attention to what's going on, and that's great. And so I kind of always had a crowd. A decent crowd there, and then when I moved it to the Virgil, it had it was already two years and it had a little bit of a name, so I get a, a pretty good. And that's also a venue that people pay attention to and right. like to see what's going on. Plus, it's free now, so it went from being ten bucks a month at, at Meltdown to being free at the Virgil, so, so that I'm sure helped. Uh, and I have it on Sundays; it used to be Tuesdays. But honestly, like I don't have any. And uh, my other show, Big Money on Thursdays, is just it's a stand-up showcase that Eliza started originally with DC Pearson. And now it's me and Eliza, and Baron was working with us on it for a little while too. Um, and we've just—they've let us get away with having a really unsuccessful show until it's <laughs> turned into like a somewhat successful show. The good news you is you get great comics. Oh yeah, well that's the thing. It's L.A. I mean, we know a ton of people, but also everyone just needs to run their stuff. Right, you right. know, if we get Todd Glass, he's not doing his headlining set. He's coming in and screwing around, and it's the best, right? Because it's Todd Glass. It's Todd Glass. Um, but. Basically, Thursday nights after us, it's like this wildly successful DJ night they've had for seven years or something. Like since it was even before it was the Virgil. And uh, that's like their moneymakers. They don't, they'd probably just be dark, you know, from 7.30 to 9.30. You guys are buying beer. Right, exactly. Yeah. And so now if we get 30 people out, it's like, it's fine. It's perfectly good. That's cool. Yeah. Okay. So speaking of you and Eliza, Mm -hmm. so there was obviously the whole, you you both wrote for um, Fashion Police. Yeah. And I saw, because this was all before I got here. Right. So I don't know it from like the inside, the everybody talking about it. <laughs> right. Side of it. But I do, of course, remember hearing about it. And then I watched your video when you guys were talking about how oh, sure. Joan Rivers wouldn't um, unionize the writers. Right. Do you feel, well, first of all, what ended up happening with that? We're still on strike. Okay, great. Yeah, the strike has outlived Joan Rivers. What? Yeah, how do you feel about her and that situation now that she's, gone the same as i did when she was alive you do? she's an asshole yeah i mean it's she could have she could this could have been like her legacy that she stood up for her writers at the end of her life when she didn't really need to and uh made the network do what they should have done in the first place and she didn't and there's so no ru- reason it for ruined it. it it ruined her oh brand. absolutely yeah hmm. yeah it was i mean it, i liked working with her before all that stuff went down and uh she was always cool until we were like hey you should pay us what Chelsea's writers are getting and right. Joel McHale's writers are getting on the same network and they wouldn't. Do you feel like standing up for yourself has um, negatively affect you for other jobs or in other situations? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't know it if it had there. It would have to be like it would have to be like an executive that paid enough attention because no head You're not writer. Like blacklisted or right. anything. Now. Yeah. OK. I mean, a, a writer would be like, fuck, yeah, those guys were standing. There should be. Right. You know? Should be on our side that we were standing up for everyone's because we knew we were never it wasn't going to happen. We basically knew like there was very little chance that it was going to. But we're giving away nothing like we already had the credit. Right. I say I had I wrote out a TV show. I wrote for Joan Rivers. 
we're giving away a $500 a week full-time job. Like mm. that's not hard to walk away from except that, you know, then I had to figure out how to pay my bills. Sure. But you know, $500 a week barely does it anyway. Right. So, uh, you know, if you know anything about listeners, know anything about, uh, the writer's guild, the minimum amount for a talk show should be like $3,600 a week. And so other shows on that same network are making seven times what oh we were God. with lower ratings, by the way. And $3,700 a week from 500 yeah. is such a difference in your anxiety level. Your... Uh, it, it's, it's all the difference. You had to have another job, I assume. or I had saved money those last four months when I was working two jobs between Seattle and here or three months or whatever it was. And uh, But yeah, I mean, once, yes, absolutely. Like you couldn't have lived off two grand. Because once you, once you, God, yeah, because once you get, that's the, one of the points of writing for television is some stability. (laughs) Yeah, you'd think so, After all these years of not having it. Wow. Yeah. Yep. That's cool. You'd think. Did you ever, um, because we're on a dog podcast, did you ever work with her dogs? (laughs) Oh, she had one that was always around the house. So she didn't really live, she really lived in New York. She, oh. I mean, she her everyone talks about her work ethic. It's totally true. It was insane. So she's when she was in L.A., all of our writing uh, writers meetings were in uh, Melissa's house out in the Palisades, and so okay. that's because that's where Joan stayed when she was in town. Um, and so they had uh, was it just one dog or two? God, I can't remember. There was either one dog or two in L.A., and then she had her other dogs that I think were in the documentary that stayed in New York. The and little she white has, ones, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, and she has somebody that. That you know lives at her place full time. I'm sure back in New York, right? Um, but yeah, she had a cool older dog. I can't remember. I think she had another one that was kind of standoffish. God, I can't remember very well. I don't remember their names either. Boy, I should have done my research for this dog podcast. I mean, I've loser. got so many questions about dogs and breeds, <laughs> and um, you know, I literally wrote here. Do you think dogs have fantasies and sex dreams? <laughs> <laughs> literally, there's a star by it. Well, we can book comment on competitive erotic fan fiction and see what happens. Right? Yeah. Um, I'm really sad because then I looked up the answer to that mm. on WebMD. On WebMD? Mm-hmm. Well, I just Googled it and that, okay. was, that was the one I thought. It was actually just a forum, so I don't know if a vet was on there being like. <laughs> but then I got grossed out and I had to stop reading Okay. Did, so. did the, what, the, the consensus was no? Um, no, actually, uh, it was kind of back and forth. Um most people somebody was saying something about stuff dripping out of her dog's penis and (laughs) (laughs) and that it clearly wasn't pee um so probably somebody else was like well they're like an animal and all animals have functions so that it was likely um i don't (laughs) know if they addressed like a dog walking down the street in a bikini and right the other dog visualizing that yeah because i don't my guess would be they're not very terribly visual because you always hear about dogs in heat and it's like it's like the odor they give off. Right. Because I don't think dogs look at another dog and are like, fuck yeah. Right. I think it's like a like a, a there's a smell. A, what's the term? Pheromones or yes. something. Yeah. Well, and also half the time, just because they're humping, right, doesn't mean it's just it's a power play. Oh, I mean, my neighbor's female dog humps dogs. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's just she learned it from watching males, I guess, probably. And yeah, it's a it's a dominance thing, which is funny because she's a thirty pound puppy. Oh, yeah. that's cute. Yeah. Little little thing humping away. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of adorable. It's hilarious. She learned it from this from this filthy poodle that moved in and just <sighs> ruined everything. Such a bad influence. <laughs> These <lots laughs> taught her how to say in. cuss words and yeah. smoke cigarettes yeah. and the other day I caught her with a boy. Oh. Um, so also <laughs> Bernadette is amazing. She's so cute. Huh? I wanna um and I don't wanna take it down too much, but I'm so sorry to hear that Morty passed. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. That because he was on our show. Yeah. And he was awesome. Yeah, he got to he got to come on stage and bark at a pug. He did. Yeah. <laughs> was it a pug specific? I, I like that you remember that. Yeah. So he passed away in January, is yeah. that right? Yeah. How did you make the decision to get another dog? I mean, was we were that really hard? To, or? It, not really. We were always like, I can't imagine not having one. And uh, so my girlfriend who moved here with me from Seattle, she worked for a dog walking company. And then her, uh, the boss at the dog walking company also owned a rescue oh. called the Purposeful Rescue. And she was just friends with her on Facebook and would see posts. And uh, they were doing um, uh, like an adoption event, mm-hmm. you know. And so they were just posting all the dogs coming up, and there was just this short video of Bernadette like sitting the way she is now. And they, her name was Samantha at the time. 
And uh, <laughs> they, I don't know if they said her name or what, because she, anytime you, it's usually not Bernadette. Jail just starts tapping. Yeah, well, I'm sure that they can hear it. Is it tapping on the mic? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Got you. Um, and so I don't know if that's what <laughs> if that's what had happened, but she just kind of turned and looked at the camera, and a little stupid tail went wagging. It was just the cutest damn video, and uh, I was about to leave town. We got her right before I went on tour for like three weeks or two weeks or something. And so the timing was weird, but, um, you know, she was available and needed a home. And Did you foster her first or you just took no, her and hoped it would no. be fine? She was, uh, we were, we, we weren't worried about it. Yeah. yeah. Do you feel like a kind of guy like you can't have a little chihuahua or a poodle? Like, do you have to have a meaty dog? <laughs> Back to this again. Huh? <laughs> I have always, but my girlfriend's the same way. She's always been drawn to like, I don't know. It's nice to have a dog that you can kind of like wrestle. Sure. You know? And, Does she uh, sleep in the bed with you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot. She's making me hot just when I was petting her. She's right. so. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of dog there. Yeah. It's not so much that as the room that she takes up. Right. And she's not even that big, but uh, she's she's it's still a 60 pound thing with legs kicking out. <laughs> and she wakes up and just goes crazy. Like every day, it's ridiculous. She's just so excited to be awake in the morning. Aww. Yeah, it's adorable. I think dogs, this sounds so cheesy, but they really do make you more optimistic and positive. And, sure. Um, I don't know. I think I'm less judgmental now because yeah. of Comet. Because I didn't have, I haven't, he's my first dog as a, oh, really? as an adult. No kidding. I had him as kids, oh, okay. but it's my first own dog. Yeah. So I am, every day I'm terrified he's going to die. Right, I'm right. constantly freaked out about That's, it. I, it's funny because I feel like it really is that... Um, like what a lot of parents talk about having their first kid and how, I and I, it, uh, yeah, I, I know listeners, it's gross when people compare dogs <laughs> to kids. Bear with me for a second. It, there is something about that first thing that you are in charge of. Yeah. And then, and then I get this little bowling ball and I'm like, go play in traffic. Yeah. You're fine. Well, cause you gave, you gave you, Morty yeah, you a know, great like, life and you've got it handled. Yeah. And then it's a lot less nerve wracking the second time. And also like Morty was just a, like a, like a backyard, uh, breeder dog. That, oh, right. You know, uh, supposedly a mistake litter. Uh, he was a, a Rottweiler Newfoundland mix, and uh, then you f- you really feel like, well, I took I like I got a dog from a person, right? And it's and it's my fault if something goes wrong, right? And then you rescue one, and you're like, you're lucky to even be indoors. <laughs> Your life is perfect now. Yeah, they have it made. Yeah, yeah. Now she's. I mean, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I, I always say that. I I really I tell Comet every day how grateful <laughs> I am, and I'm glad that he came into my life. Yeah, and please don't die. Right. Uh, but when my husband's dog, when Corey's dog died, it took him eight years till he was ready to have another one. Oh, really? It took a long time. Yeah. I mean, I can see both sides of it. Yeah. Like, I just couldn't stand having an empty apartment. Did it that feel like, 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 oh, oh silent, ridiculous. no pitter-patter of yeah. the feet, that oh, whole awful. thing? Yeah. I mean, we have, you know, like I said, we live in a complex full of dogs. And so, like, our up, we share a patio with our upstairs neighbors. And they have, like, stairs that go down behind. And they just leave their door open. They have this absolutely awesome... Uh, Pitbull, um, French Bulldog mix. Oh, cute. He's just about her size, but he's all black with some white on his chest. And uh, he's uh, nine or ten. Nine or ten years old. And he's just the best. He's a total sweetheart. And they hang out all day. He spends most of his time on our patio or in so our So you apartment. at least got that, yeah. Yeah, so we always had dogs around. You could but... cry into that dog's fur right. yeah. for a little while. Yeah. Do you see the difference of Morty versus she's a Pitbull? Mm-hmm. Do people treat you differently or get freaked uh, out because of that whole stigma? I, the well, I live in a primarily Latino neighborhood. It's changing rapidly, but um, they're they're all super chill with pit bulls because they all have them. Right, like our neighborhood is full of pit bulls and pit bull mixes. Oh, okay, and mostly they're like outdoor dogs that you know are fenced in and sort of guard dog right. style. Um, I think they were actually weirder with with uh, with Mort because he's a giant. First of all. Uh, he was, you know, he could have eaten off this table just standing here. That's why you said that she doesn't cost a lot to feed. Well, but Morty was super lazy. He didn't, he didn't, uh, he didn't eat a lot either. A cup and a half twice a day or whatever. Oh. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. He he had allergies, so it was expensive food, but. So he was a little nerdy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Adorable. Yeah. But no, I don't think, uh. The only things I actually have a bit about this. The only thing I've noticed about owning a pit bull is that people in the street are constantly trying to sell you theirs <laughs> or buy yours. <laughs> actually, one neighbor was trying to give us their pit bull. Oh God! Yeah, but we've had people like pull over their cars and ask if they could buy her. She has a very unique looking pit bull. I know that every every dog owner is biased, but right? You just don't see a lot 
that are all this color. She's all tan. She looks. I I hope I can say this. She <laughs> she kind of looks Asian. Okay. Don't uh, you think that was Monique? That was not me. <laughs> That's not. Don't you think she did? I think pit bulls kind of do look Asian. Hmm. A little bit. I. I mean, I haven't seen her no. drive, if you want to make this more racist. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't want to. <laughs> now I'll have to think about it. Are you, are you part Asian? Do you have, um, this has nothing to do with Asian, so please don't do this. But okay. do you, what's your dog voice for her? Um, she, she's, she doesn't, she's not very eloquent. Oh. It's just sort of a high-pitched, she just kind of talks like this. Oh. She's very excited all the time. Yeah? Then that's, uh... I would have expected her to be more. Hey, hey guys, hey, no, but no. she is a she's a she's lady. A, she's a but even, I think boy pitbulls talk that way too. Oh, high voice. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because they're all they're always very excited. I do want to so get weird. that sound on the the mic. Did you know you? what I actually meant to do, and I totally forgot. Maybe I'll I'll do this on your live show sometime. Is I meant to uh, wait to feed her and then feed her and put the mic on it because it literally sounds like a pig in a trough. It is hilarious. The funniest damn thing I've ever heard. Do you have um, an iPhone six or higher? Uh, yeah, I have a six. Uh, you got to get her do that slow mo. Oh yeah, I'm yeah. obsessed with slow motion. Just comet I'll, licking things in slow motion. I'll yeah. show you the the video I have of what may be the first time she ever saw grass. Oh, <laughs> because it's L.A. They walk in dirt and cement yeah. all the time. And so we uh, when we went to Bridgetown this year, we drove so we could take her with us because we'd really just gotten her a couple months earlier, and uh, went to this giant dog park in Portland. And let her off the leash, which she also... I mean, she'll go off the leash like it's Silver Lake, but it's um, its all dirt and it's shitty. It's dirt, yeah. yeah. So she sniffs around and kind of plays with dogs, but doesn't really it's not like, go yeah. crazy. And let her out in this giant grassy field, she just went completely apeshit. It was Aww. amazing. But I have a great slow-mo of that. <gasps> Maybe we'll put it We'll put it up um, on sure. the, the podcast yeah. next to your picture, if we have a picture of you. Yeah. We'll do the picture of you and Morty, and then you can have a picture of her running. Oh, there you go. Yeah, she's amazing. Yeah, she's a real sweet dog. Uh, yeah, I my thing is I like we have a great video of Comet in slow motion jumping over an ottoman because <laughs> he can jump. Yeah. What are pit like besides the bad things? What are because that's not fair. I know sure. it's like doggist or whatever. Sure. What um what are they're sweet and they're cuddly? What are pit bulls known? Are they smart? Are they? Um, I I think she's fairly smart. We you know we got her. She's she was already two, but she was with a foster family for a few months that taught her some stuff like. She has to sit before she before you give her food, and then you say oh, wait, smart. and she sits there, and then you say okay, and then she goes fucking ape shit and just <laughs> dives into. It. I, I guess when they first got her from the, the she was emaciated and it was horrible, hmm. and so when they first got her, when they would put her food dish down, she would literally just dive headfirst into it and spill it everywhere because <laughs> she was just so amazed that she was getting fed anything. So then they they made her do that. So she you know she does stuff like that. Um, she's not super obedient, but she's so well behaved that it doesn't it just doesn't matter much. She's great on a leash. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. My girlfriend's roommate back in Seattle. So when we got Morty, we were together, but he, uh, he lived with her. We weren't uh, living together. At the oh, time. gotcha. This was like nine years ago. We had been together for like a year, and uh, she had a roommate with a greyhound, and then they got a pit bull that they still have. Uh, and he was just such an incredibly sweet dog that mm. we knew, you know, at some point we'd have one. But I don't know. Like other than that, I mean, they, they're they're kind of lazy, but Are then they? they're very active. It's a it's a weird switch. Like they're totally cool to just like sleep all day on the couch. But when they get a chance to play, yeah. What besides your shows that you're producing? What are you up to now? Uh, I do a lot of f- freelance writing stuff. Uh, bounce around to random, sometimes short-term TV things. Do you find yourself stuff. more of a? Do you consider yourself more of a writer or an actor? Or I don't act at all. I mean, I've been in stuff, but only because when I I worked at Funnier Die last year for like a four-month period when another dude was out working on a show, mm-hmm. and so when you're there, you wind up in stuff. Um, but it was always it wasn't. It's hard to call it acting when it's like, hey, can you be a loudmouth dick in this video? <laughs> Why saying yes, horrible I things. can. Yeah. So you 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 know we put ourselves in stuff or people would. Other writers would be like, hey, play the jerk in this. Did you always sketch. <laughs> Did you ever get to play like the nice sweet guy? No, <laughs> never. And I all literally, I think I'm in four. Well, there's one where I don't have any lines. I'm just in a, I'm just dressed as a fireman waving to the camera. But everything that I had lines <laughs> in, I, the only thing I did was sit in a chair and be an asshole. <laughs> and two of them I wrote myself. And two, one was Jake Fogelnest. That was one where I really got to be a dick. And what was the other? I can't remember what the fourth one was. 
But yeah, when I left there, I realized like that that was literally the extent of my acting and everything <laughs> was just seated jerk one. Did you always know that you wanted to be a comedian? Uh, I was way into like when I was a little kid, I didn't really have cable or anything, but Star Search was on. Oh, yeah. And they had stand up comics on yeah. Star Search. And uh, this was the original, original Star Search with, with uh, Ed McMahon. And it was I was obsessed with it, but I didn't care about any of the rest of it. Like, did you did you what did you go to school for? Uh, music. What do you play or what do you do? Percussion, piano. Do you ever do that now? Not really. I left all my stuff in storage in Seattle because we moved. Like, there's no way. I had a. So I used to share like a chunk of a warehouse basically with another musician. And I just kept buying shit. So I had all this stuff that uh, I had no space for. So it's all still sitting in storage. I can't afford to like bring it down. Do here you miss it though? Is that like a part yeah. of who you are that you don't? I do, but almost like I. I never made the decision to quit playing in bands, but once I started doing stand-up, you start to realize, like, you get the same thrill if you're into it, which, you know, I always was into uh, the idea of stand-up. But it was literally, like, I stopped doing music and started doing stand-up. Like, it never overlapped at all. Oh, gotcha. And uh, you don't miss... I mean, you did sketch and improv. I never did any of that. I, the the fact that I don't have to rely on another person to do stand-up is, like, the greatest thing ever. It's partially why I... I, yeah. I wouldn't say switched, but change my focus of, a lot of people it's just right. easier than dealing with spreadsheets and doodle Schedules calendars and, yeah and it's, like it's the worst and i being the one that always ends up in charge right. and then angry and right. not pleasant like that's not good no it's terrible and my last <laughs> band was a nine piece and i was in charge of it and oh, that was just God. a scheduling nightmare for everybody involved and uh i actually have music on wtf pretty frequently oh that's cool yeah interstitial between guests that's cool yeah i don't know if he i haven't listened to that in a while so I don't know if it's the president there. was on there. I heard that. I should listen I, I to that one get to the see if my music's on there. That didn't even show. occur to me. I want. I want to get Jeb do competitive erotic fan fiction. I think that'd be real good. <laughs> he should do that um, as part of his campaign. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. All the stops at the con- they <laughs> <laughs> they know when they go to these comedy shows that their LA. ratings their yep. ratings go up. Absolutely, Jeb. If you're listening, <laughs> got a spot for you August 16th. Where did you um? Where did you, I'm sure people have asked you this a million times, but briefly, where did, where did you come up with the idea of competitive erotic fan fiction? Uh, there's this comic in Seattle, real funny dude, good friend of mine named Travis Vogt, and he used to just read a piece of Cars uh, erotic fan fiction at regular stand-up shows. Wait, Cars? Cars, the Pixar Oh, of course. Film. Of yeah. course. What was I thinking? Uh, and the whole premise of his story was like how stupid it is that there's talking cars. Well, that means they must have fucked. Sure. Because there's a baby car and there's adult cars, so here's how cars fuck. <laughs> And but a lot of audiences, I saw him read it a few different times at, at shows, and it, it would either be a bunch of young people who knew what erotic fan fiction was, right. or it would be a like a regular club crowd who have absolutely no idea what's going on right now. And so um, I used to do an annual uh, an annual Valentine's Day show, which actually now I do at the Virgil. We just do it on Big Money, whatever the Thursday closest to Valentine's cool. Day right, is. Right. It's called Broken Hearts Are for Assholes, and it, you know I book comedians that have good breakup stories or. Like I like to get a lot of divorced people on the show. Sure. That's always fun. Which is a lot of comedians. Yeah, a lot of comedians. Works out. Um, and so in 2012, uh, I was talking to Travis after one of those nights that he read that story. And I was like, shit, we should do, we should make everybody on the Valentine's Day show write erotic fan fiction. So we did that. And of course, that's what people liked even better than the stand up. Like right. they just went crazy for it. We had a pretty good crowd. And then so a month later, I spun it off into this thing. And then I added the second round where people have to write based on audience suggestions. And Do you write as well? Yeah, I always read. A, uh, I write one every month and read it at the top of the show while people come up with suggestions. Oh, and smart. Then, um, yeah. And then there's two rounds. One round where four comics write them in advance based on whatever topic. And then the second round, everybody has to draw a topic at the beginning of the show. And then they go backstage and have like 40 minutes to write while the first round's going on. Oh, they do it right then and there. Yeah, they go backstage. Because I listened to um, I listened to a couple episodes and I heard you know this is round two and i wasn't sure how that yeah it's That's hard pressure because i can't put the whole like it'd be an hour and a half long podcast yeah. which i think is insane so i cut it into two it's kind of hard to exactly explain how it works until you see it live right you know? but you don't really need, i mean no. you don't need to know to enjoy it right do you like doing that or stand up better or oh stand up oh okay yeah yeah, yeah. i mean if, uh, competitive erotic fan fiction is very stressful for me because mm. i like i did 50 of them last year so oh. 38 shows on the road you could do a book yeah, well, I mean, I wrote 12, but I mean, I put on 50. Oh, jeez. Uh, but I've written 30 plus at this point. You could still do a book. Years. Yeah, it's a thing I should probably have somebody working on. Mm-hmm. Um, Pictures. And- yeah, yeah. But uh, it's, you know, anytime I do it on the road, usually I'm in 
the only person doing all the work, right? Know, booking it and promoting it, and but it's etc. Obviously done well for you. It's great. Yeah, I mean, so, I have nothing to actually complain about. Right. But stand up is just awesome. Like, I don't. I show up and I do stand up. Right. I don't have to worry about shit. You know. Yeah, it's I mean, real. It's. I find it really hard the night of the the two girls one pup show to actually do a decent set it's fine oh, yeah. it's just not my brain can't be focused because i'm in producer mode as well well it's a little trickier because you have to like actually set everything up and yeah. yeah i mean we have help now we have a lot okay. more it's it's run a little differently now so that helps That's but fine. yeah there's just a lot and then there's dogs right that distract you yeah um cool brian one last thing here yeah we're gonna do what we're calling off the leash the lightning round Okay. So you have to answer these questions without thinking too hard on them. Don't pause <laughs> too long. Okay. All right. What is your favorite dog name? I mean, Bernadette. Mm, okay. It's got to be. Got to be. Okay. Uh, what is your favorite dog movie? Favorite dog movie? I'm trying to think of one I've even seen. Pipe down comment. <laughs> Nobody asked you. He didn't even uh, move. He's just laying there. Like, I'm just, I don't have the energy. Um, hey. She's tap dancing. She's buying don't, time. She's I stalling for you. I mean, do animated movies count? Yeah, of course. Is there a dog in it? I guess I liked Lady and the Tramp as a kid. I don't know. I don't, I, like, I, I, I can't watch, because usually dog movie means the dog dies. Fair. And so I don't watch them. Because that's, that's true. I'm not going to watch Marley and Me. It's no, horrifying. I never want to see it or read Yeller. it or, yeah. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's not must love dogs. That was a real piece of crap. <laughs> right. Uh, that was that was in the phase where I would still watch anything John Cusack was in and now I'm a little more discerning. <laughs> no, I think, let's let's give it to Lady in the Train. Okay. It's a classic. Might not be my favorite film dog. Oh, well, what's your favorite film dog? <sighs> That's a tough one. Maybe the Rottweiler in, in uh, Entourage. Terrible oh. show. Great Rottweiler. Oh, I don't think I know its personality. Well, he just kind of was fat and was a Rottweiler. That's a good personality. Laid there and smiled with his big Joker grin every now and then. <laughs> I don't think he had a lot of parts. Okay. Yeah. He's a good looking dog. He's an underrated actor. Don't know his name. He's a great actor compared to everyone else. <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely. He's the best actor yeah. of the crew. It was him, then Piven, and then like a <laughs> nine-way tie for last place. <laughs> I'm going to let you choose. Okay. I don't do that very often. Oh, all right. Of all, okay. all this history of this podcast. That's a lot of pressure. Um... I want a synopsis of the next great doggy style, either erotic novel or to counteract this tough, angry guy, you can do a sweet romantic novel. Wait, wait, a synopsis of the next great dog, dog. fucking book? Either an erotic dog book okay. or um, romantic or, or actually like romantic love story dog book. Uh well, I do run a smut show, so you know which one I'm going with. I thought so, but I was like, I don't want to pressure him if he also <laughs> wants to show his range. So no, I have no range. Anyone can. All right, that. all right. Um. Oh, let's see. Well, I do need a topic for this Sunday's show, so maybe this will be what it is. Um. It's uh, hi. It's um. Uh. It's the it's the future, and there's a dog president. Uh. He's uh, also a robot. It's a robot dog president, sure. naturally. Sure. Um, which means he can do as many terms as he wants because his brain never never goes to shit. That's I think that's why we do that. Which we should also do with Supreme Court justices. I don't want to. There's also a whole dog Supreme Court, um, but they live a lot less uh, time, so it's not a, as big of a deal that uh, there are no term limitations. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, so anyway, back to the future uh, Robo President Dog. <laughs> he uh, he wins the campaign on a platform of uh, free kibble, and uh, you know, of course, all the Republican dogs are very upset by it because that's socialism. And uh, it's the it's the it's a year before the election. So let's say it's twenty one sixteen. It's a it's a year it's a year before the big election. Uh, and there's a there's a scandal because it's a it's a male dog and he gets caught humping another male dog. Oh, no. And even though it's a hundred years in the future, America's still just not parts of it are not that cool with a gay president. Right. And he has to convince the world that it's just about dominance. Oh, sure. And that's the name of the book. It's just about dominance. It's, ooh, I can't wait to read it. It's pretty good, right? I can't wait to read it. Uh, Brian Cook. Yes. And mostly Bernadette. Oh, Bernadette. Thank you for you being speak? on the show. Can you speak? Can you speak? She doesn't speak. <laughs> She's freaking out. She just wants to climb up. She just dances. Come here. Up there. Hi, baby. Hi. You're so big. Can I take a picture of your cute face? Come here. <laughs> Bernadette. Hi. There we oh. go. Hi, sweet girl. 
Oh my god. She Did you see her little palm tree? She has a little palm tree on her chest. Hey, you were supposed to be a California dog. I like the shapes of their heads. Yeah. Yeah. They're real weird. Yeah, they're great. And now, in honor of Kai Rizdahl, here are the numbers. All right, the first number we're going to talk is 41. And that is it's in 41 miles per hour. That's the speed that the fastest dog, which is, of course, the Greyhound, can run. Did you know that? Um, I knew that it was probably a Greyhound. 41 miles an hour, though? Can you imagine driving 41 miles an hour? I can imagine driving 41. And then seeing a dog running next to you (laughs) stride for stride. Maybe not. Uh, Incidentally, 41 miles per hour is also the typical speed of a Greyhound bus on the highway if you happen to be stuck behind it. Ding. I, I think. Yep, there it is. There it is. Next number is seven. Everybody thinks that a dog ages every seven years to human years, right? right? Uh, That's actually a common misconception. Here's how it works. So stick with me. The first human year is equivalent to 10 to 15 years. Then the second year the dog is alive, that's equal to about three to eight human years. And then every year after that is equal to about four to five. So it's an average of seven. Kind of, but not exactly because, let me put it to you this way, Comet, who is nine years old, if you just do the seven years, right? right? Nine times seven, 63. That puts him at 63 human years. Take out your word. (laughs) (laughs) I don't own a calculator on the wall. uh, I don't have a giant computer in a room. Nine times seven, (laughs) 63. Okay, but using this formula, Mm -hmm. and I took the average, I know there's some ranges there. The ranges are are just due to the different, you know, size and breeds of dogs. It will vary. Uh, But taking just like right down the middle, basically, for each of those ranges, that puts Comet at between about 48 and 50 years old. So there's a significant difference. Thought, but that means that last year he was how old? Uh, well, because he's at this point now, he's in that every year being equal to four to five. Oh, so okay. if he's right now 48 to 50, he was, you know, 43 to 45. I'll take your word ish. on uh, The next number is zero, which is actually the number of spots that a Dalmatian is born with. Did you know this? I did know that one. Did you have a Dalmatian growing up? I did. His name was Spot. Did you get him as a puppy? No, we did not. Because they are born stark white. I've and then they, uh, as they get older, the spots develop. Yeah. I wonder how old, though. I wonder how inaccurate 101 Dalmatians is. Well, I'm going to start with the coat. 101 times inaccurate. Okay, last number I've got for you, 125. That is the number of dollars per week that Terry, the Cairn Terrier, you know him better as Toto on The Wizard of Oz. Yeah, he or was, he was as, paid. as Bob Weatherwax would pronounce his name, Toto. Toto? Toto. Gotcha. Well, Toto was paid $125 <laughs> per week. Now compare that with Judy Garland, Dorothy. She got paid $500 uh, a week. Ooh, good for her. So that's a, a now. That is more money than I make sometimes. <laughs> right. And this was in the 20s. Uh, do you want to be outraged? Please. Guess who made $100 a week? 25 bucks less than the dog. The Tin Man, as he was getting cancer. The Munchkins. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's nuts. Munchkins, 100 bucks a week. A dog, 125 a week. <sighs> Judy Garland, 500 But she, of course, had to sing. So did the Munchkins. Yeah, that's true. But solos. <laughs> Iconic songs. The she was the lead. You get... You're gonna get the the bigger payday, but I feel like Toto should have gotten 75 and the Munchkin 125. Math. I do have a giant calculator. Well, there you go. Those are the numbers. You're welcome. And those are the numbers. Check out two girls one pup show.com. We're gonna put up a link of the purposeful pup, which is that rescue organization Brian got Bernadette from, and that video of the first time she ever saw grass. It's so cute. You can also find out more pupcast episodes there social media links and find out about our next live show where of course you can see hilarious dog loving comedians like brian you can see what he's up to on twitter at brian cooking that's brian with a y and find out about shows for the competitive erotic fan fiction on facebook or listen to the podcast which is on itunes and yes brian comet would love to be booked on your show he's been working on this new piece called bone humps and harmony there's a lot of sniffing involved you should book him here's a clip of brian from our show it's morning nine Rottweiler, Newfoundland, next, any other fucking Westies talk park? I have animal jokes. I don't know what else to do with this weird show. Uh, my girlfriend and I actually got a cat to do that thing where you try to figure out if you want a baby by getting a cat. And we figured out we definitely don't want a cat. I also don't want a girlfriend. Oh. 
He could kill all of you. You laugh at these jokes. Anyone who thinks dogs provide unconditional love has never owned a racist Rottweiler. Don't watch my black friends try to come into my house unannounced. I'm just kidding, I don't have any black friends. It's okay, it's gonna be fine. Uh, I don't know, I might have more animal jokes if I think of them. How, uh, who here, this is Hollywood, who here is disappointed in how their lives have turned out? Really? That's just the two people in the back who produce this show and work for a dog charity? Yeah, shocker. Let's be honest, this is Hollywood. Who is disappointed in how your lives have turned out? Really, everyone else incredibly oh. successful? Yeah, that's what I thought. You're doing fine, buddy. You get two squares a day in a house above your head that I pay for. I don't know why he doesn't like this microphone, it smells like a butt. It's always fun doing charity shows because there's like nice people in the audience, not my target demographic. <laughs> you guys seem delightful, which uh, is never good news for me. It's all gonna work out. I talk a lot about getting older in my act. Uh, somebody actually came up to me after a show and was like, hey, you don't have to worry about getting older because men just get better looking with age. I was like, have you only seen George Clooney? Because that is just George Clooney. And for every one George Clooney, there are three billion Val Kilmers. Yeah, you seen him lately? I remember he looked like in the 80s, he was a beautiful man. I've seen Top Gun, I would've kissed him on his mouth in that movie. Val Kilmer today looks like he died in a tsunami 10 years ago and just washed up on shore. And not like a regular tsunami, like there was definitely radiation involved, like a Fukushima tsunami, except he didn't get any superpowers unless you count bloating as a superpower. Um, that's true though, 20 grand, I know buddy, it's all gonna work out before us. We're gonna get you an agent before I ever have one. Far more likable. You're quieter, oddly enough. Can I get back to it, or are you gonna be a fucking dick this whole time? All right. I get really down in the dumps sometimes about my career. <laughs> what? The guy talking to dogs on a Tuesday night? I don't know what day it is. <laughs>